0: Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros, A Massive Trucker Convoy is heading to Eagle Pass, Texas. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. That would help. We'd appreciate it if you did that. And you can email us if you'd like to weigh in on your thoughts on anything we cover on the podcast or give us a tip or something, anything like that, anything you want to tell us. We're here for you. Quick Start Podcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray on this Friday junior episode of the podcast. Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones Gentlemen, how you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. Happy to be here on this Friday junior.
0: Yeah, we're almost home. Almost home at the end of the week. A lot to cover. As always, what do we have on the focus today?
1: Yeah, we're going to be talking about that guy who decapitated the Satanist statue. Uh, There's some updates in his story and what's going to be happening legally there.
0: Yeah, you covered that first go around, so we'll hear the update. Looking forward to that. On the main thing, we talked to CBN's George Thomas on the state of religious freedom around the country and the world. He's at the IRF conference in D.C. this week. All of that and more coming up, but I want to remind you not to forget to subscribe to our CBN podcast, DC Debrief with John Stolness. That's that weekly roundup of everything going on in DC. John does a great job there. Check that out. And Newsmakers with our own Billy Hallowell, a full-length interview Monday through Friday, one a day. Get the full context. Check that out. Newsmakers and DC Debrief. Links to subscribe are in the description of this podcast episode. All right. All the housekeeping is out of the way. Let's get to the news here in 90 seconds. And a trucker convoy is converging on Eagle Pass, Texas. This week, the exact numbers of the truckers not yet known as their organizers are encouraging truckers from various parts of the country to sort of all meet down there. So it's not like they're arriving in one big line. There's a lot of talk about this convoy and representative Roger Williams in Texas said he welcomes this convoy. the u.s mexican border he said there's nothing more american than truckers they care It's something they can do to call attention to the fact that the biden administration is totally inept on securing this border and doesn't really want to the group organizing it they're called take our border back and they started this drive on monday the organizers from virginia heading towards florida on their way down to texas and arizona and california by February 3rd. And they said, as long as it's peaceful, come on, let's go. And frankly, every trucker is welcome in Texas. And the US House Foreign Affairs Committee held a hearing earlier this week after reports that 10% of UNRWA employees are affiliated with Palestinian terror groups and 12 of them took part in the October 7th attacks on Israel, several witnesses testified they weren't surprised. You can check out the full story on that over at CBNnews.com. You can read it. I got the link here in the description to this podcast episode as well. If you want to get there that way. All right, guys, those are just some of today's top headlines. Make sure you get more over at CBNnews.com. This, this trucker convoy that's coming, we don't know how big it is. We don't know how many truckers are going to show up, like I said, because they're urging people to converge, but the border crisis has only gotten worse we've talked about it on this podcast several times chuck holton from cbn's down there now you can check out his live reports on the cbn news youtube channel he was down at eagle pass on wednesday it's going to be a major issue and like we talked about with the visibility there is no denying this time that it's an issue
1: people will still find a way to probably deny, they'll try <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I mean, it's such a big issue because... As Christians, we, of course, want to care for people, right? But that's, to me, a separate issue than actually just securing our border. Because when you see and have entire population of Seattle, like a city like Seattle, entering in the border every month, like that's just not sustainable. That that doesn't actually help people in the long run when you let that many people in. It's just, it's not going to work. We don't have the infrastructure, all that, all the whole nine yeah. yards, right? So, I mean, you, you can see it in the cities now when they're like, oh, we'll be sanctuary, we'll let everybody in. And then they're like, wait a minute, actually... Just kidding. We don't have the infrastructure for that. And that's the same way it is in Texas and everywhere else.
1: It's not even just infrastructure. I mean, yeah, it's infrastructure. It's also just, you know, the the ability to accommodate what people need. You have to consider that when you have children coming in, you now have people that have to be housed. Fine, you you solve the housing problem, you put them in hotels, whatever these cities are doing, but then you're putting them in school and they don't know English, perhaps. So now you have a language barrier. This there are so many layers of this, but I would argue. Right now, going into an election year, this is not a good thing for the Democratic Party in particular because they're the ones that everyone's going to look to on this and say, hey, you're in charge. What's going on? The biggest issue, and I think it's the thing that gets the least amount of attention outside of the humanitarian piece of this and what we're doing with people is – the fact that this is incredibly dangerous, we don't know who these people are who yeah. who are coming across. There could be terrorists here already, or I don't know, you look at Hamas, will they perhaps want to use the border in some way to come over? So th- this should be one of, if not the biggest issues on everyone's agenda yeah. right now this election year
0: yeah the terror thing is a real real issue because even if they weren't coming in before they're certainly looking at it now going hey wait a minute maybe we can get in there a whole lot easier now almost certainly that's happened to some extent already but even if it hadn't i would think it's got to be on the agenda for people who want to harm america all right well let's head on over to the focus story now and a mississippi man who made National headlines recently for tearing down and beheading a satanic display in the Iowa State Capitol now facing
1: some new charges. What's going on here? Yeah, this is Michael Cassidy, and, you know, what's so interesting about this case, Michael Cassidy did not deny that he did this, right? He openly has discussed why he did it. In fact, we we interviewed him uh, back in December talking about the destruction of the display, and he said he thought it was the right thing to do and explained why. Uh, But he is now being charged with a hate crime. So this has elevated the first charge was a fourth degree criminal mischief charge. That's a misdemeanor from what I understand in Iowa. That has again elevated to a hate crime charge and court documents showed that he was basically allegedly found uh, to be accused of committing an act under Iowa's hate crime statute that is in violation of individual Rights. So this would now be a third degree criminal mischief charge, which is known as a Class D felony. He will be arraigned on February 15th. And Lots of questions I'm sure people have around that. How could this be, you know, how how could this be a hate crime? Uh, But when you look at Polk County, the attorney's office there, they've put out a statement on this. They said that the quote, evidence shows the defendant made statements to law enforcement and the public indicated he indicating he destroyed the property because of the victim's religion. Um, and the statement went on to offer other details uh, that the property damage fell between 750 and $1,500. And that is another thing that sort of elevated those charges against him. And I think speaking out on it probably it seems to have added to that. So there's a lot more we could say there, but those are the, the yeah. details of where things stand now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if he's saying that uh, if I'm guilty of hating Satan, then uh, guilty is charged. What's he said in the past about his reasoning?
1: Yeah, um, he, you know, when we talked to him, he said that we should not tolerate Satan, and he described, you know, how this whole thing unfolded. He had learned on social media that the Satanic Temple had put this display in the Iowa State Capitol, and he found, you know, some concern with that. Obviously, he thought, how in the world could satanic icons be in the Capitol? Um, he thought it was maybe an oversight, some bureaucracy, and And once he realized it wasn't being taken down, um, he said he got a plane ticket to Iowa and went to see the symbol for himself He said, quote, whatever emotion you may have felt looking at it online, it's completely different when you're actually in the Capitol. He talked about being an American who's been in the Navy his entire adult life and that he had fought to protect the country and it wasn't to protect Satan. He said, we say, so help me God, not so help me Satan. And that he felt, you know, he he basically couldn't let it stand. He thought it was intolerable. So he said, I did what I did. And there's more to it, but that's sort of the baseline.
0: I think is the big reason why this case you know why it, it matters in the in the grand scheme of things
1: i think this is a challenging case because i think for christians we say of course there should be no you know praising of satan and i want to remind people that satanic temple does not even believe that satan exists this is an atheist group you know that i think really realistically purportedly is trying to get attention for itself so it goes out yeah. of its way to do these things that you know, people will pay attention to them, but they're basically atheists. Um, but of course, it's still concerning when, when Satan is being elevated. But this is a challenging case because you do have this question of, well, do they have the freedom to believe and do these things, right? If they do have the freedom to believe and do these things and somebody is opposing that and they're taking this sort of action, you know, if this were a Christian or some other faith, as much as we don't want to elevate Satanism, would we be okay with the same actions being taken? On the flip side, are we okay with promoting Satan in this way? So it's a complicated case.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it's just frustrating and sad that you have groups like these atheists out here who, uh, like you said, essentially exist as trolls, and they want to try to make a point about foisting ideas on other people and that it's they view it as bad and then i have to deal with it but you know when you're actually replicating the embodiment of evil it's kind of a different thing right and um and so it's it's frustrating that these guys are out here running around and we have to deal with this nonsense but we do have to come up with the Reasoning so that we can get it out of here, but it doesn't seem like we've done that yet.
1: No. And, And, you know, I think you have a dynamic where people were, if you go back to December, some people were praising him in the Christian world, saying he's, you know, basically a hero for what he did, taking a stand. Others were saying, Hey, you know, like maybe this isn't what Christians should be doing, right? Like maybe we need to take a different tone. What is this going to do? How is this going to help? So you had these two totally different dynamics. I think you're going to continue to see that debate even within the church unfold around a case like this.
0: This is such an interesting case because there are people who, like you were saying, and like we've talked about before, there are some people who thought he was this hero, but still probably not the not the best thing to do right it's not not the appropriate way necessarily to handle you know this kind of you know dissent or problems with this display but it's interesting because at least it started conversations which i guess is a a good thing potentially right it's had you know people are talking about why this is problematic why a satanic display is something we should be disturbed by all right well um we'll look forward to updates on that and see how this all plays out billy appreciate you putting that one on our radar today (laughs) All right, we're going to head on over to the main thing now, and I caught up with CBN's George Thomas this week. He is in Washington, D.C. at the International Religious Freedom Conference, and there is a whole host of guests that are speaking there this week to bring up this obviously important issue Uh, to Christians, to really it envelops all believers and all people of different faiths. But, of course, as Christians, we look at this because we see the persecution that many Christians are suffering around the globe. So it certainly pertains to to us. And George has great insights on all of these areas of the world. China and Ukraine, Russia, everywhere. uh, Nigeria, that we're seeing this heightened persecution of Christians around the globe. So our conversation with CBN's George Thomas is today's main thing. Tell me about, like, to give people a sense of, because I think here in America, we we have certain religious freedom protections. Now, it's, it's getting it's getting a little more dicey day by day here, even here, right? But it's it's on a whole other level in some of these other countries. So can you sort of just describe the state of um, existence for a lot of believers in different parts of the world?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is, it is one of those very important principles that are, that's enshrined in the First Amendment here in our Constitution, in our American Constitution. And so uh, we, we in many ways take it for granted. But as you mentioned, uh, over the many, uh, over the last few years, we have seen a uh, kind of a restriction, a crackdown on what we can say and so forth. Uh, but around the world, uh, the estimates are from, from various groups, uh, from uh, Open Doors to, uh, to Christian Solidarity International to others, uh, close to about 365 million Christians Uh, today around the world are suffering for their faith, be it from North Korea, as we've reported the uh, World Watch uh, list that is uh, put out every year by the great group uh, Open Doors. Uh, Again, once again, for the 20th plus year, North Korea is at the top of that list. Uh, Somalia, India, Nigeria, uh, Yemen, Eritrea. Uh, And as as I've mentioned, you know, I've reported in so many of these countries the, the level of persecution that believers face Christians face. you know you take for example, one of the trends that that's emerging uh, in the last few years is a sort of nationalistic uh, uh, ideology, this nationalistic fervor that's rising in many, many countries. So what happens like I'll give you a perfect example one of the today the world's largest most populated country, India uh, has deployed these nationalistic Hindu nationalistic, Forever, that you know to be an indian is to be a hindu but you got to keep in mind that india has a huge muslim population they have a very sizable uh, christian uh, community and so this hin- hind what they call hindutwa this hindu ideology uh, is permeating society and is putting so much restrictions on those who don't belong to the ruling orthodoxy, the ruling faith group in, uh, in in the country. So we're seeing these very alarming trends that are uh, emerging. And in many of these countries, be it in Yemen, in Eritrea, in Gaza, uh, in Saudi Arabia, in Nigeria, uh, in Iran, what Christians face is, you know, they have to, as we've reported, they have to practice their faith uh, in, 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 in secret. Uh, and, and, you know, they go through incredible... Um, uh, you know, various things that they have to do in order to meet. They can't meet like we do every Sunday here around the country uh, in big churches. They are predominantly in very small groups, uh, very undercover, very covert. Uh, Christians can't publicly talk about their faith. So these are some of the challenges that they face and ones that we have reported extensively uh, uh, over the many, many years.
0: George, what can we expect at this summit? And what are their goals here, right? Because these yeah. obviously this is such a massive problem, right? And and so, it, it's going to take a lot, a lot of work for to turn some of these countries around and to change uh, views and and freedoms that people have. What what's their goal here? What's their kind of primary objective?
2: Yeah, for the folks, uh, the organizers of the International Religious Freedom in a Summit here, it's it's to showcase that the United States is taking the lead role. Uh, uh, on this matter. Uh, In essence, telling people around the world, governments around the world, uh, that when you talk about the issue of religious freedom, it's not an issue that exists in a vacuum. Uh, It's very much tied to foreign policy. It's very much tied to education, to access to health. It's it's, it's tied to the, uh, the rights that women have in societies, right? That the ability to, to access education, freedom of thought, freedom of conscience. It's, so the, the idea that religious freedom uh, uh, you know, exists in a vacuum is something they want to, 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 to buffet against. They want to say, listen, it's very much tied to how you run your economy, how you run governance uh, in your country. And the United States and the organizers want to send a very, very clear signal that the United States wants to take a leading role to show as an example to the rest of the world, uh, to these various countries that listen, religious freedom. When you guarantee your citizens uh, the ability to to believe in something, to believe in nothing, uh, that 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 is a, a a right that is that absolutely should be protected. Uh, we're going to be in the next two days. I'm hoping to uh, you know get a chance to interview some key leaders who operate in some of these sensitive countries who have been working tirelessly over the many, many decades to change the landscape. We're going to be talking about the situation in Cuba. We're definitely talking about the the situation in China, in India. We'll also talk about uh, the the ongoing conflict in uh, the Gaza Strip, what this means for the growing problem of anti-Semitism as we've seen since the horrific attacks Uh, By Hamas back on October seventh, we'll be looking at the widespread uh, growth of this, this, uh, you know, the the evil of anti-Semitism, not just here in the United States but around the world. We'll talk about the crisis in Ukraine uh, and the religious uh, challenges, uh, religious freedom challenges that Ukrainians who are under right now uh, under Russian uh, control in areas in the east. What they are experiencing, and you can look at it from North Korea to Ukraine to the Middle East uh, to parts of Africa to parts of Southeast Asia, and and again, this is you know look at this as, as an opportunity to to understand firsthand, to hear firsthand from those who have to live through these situations, these circumstances in their countries, and then more importantly, it's an opportunity for our viewers to pray, right? Because you know when I meet believers. Uh, in these countries. The, the one thing they, they always say to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a theme that I hear over and over and over again, Dan. They, they say, don't pray that the persecution would be lifted. They ask us to pray that they would have the spiritual spine to stand. When the, when the toughs gets going, when the intensity intensifies, when the persecution intensifies, they always ask, would you pray that we will not Buckle under the pressure; that we will not collapse under the pressure of what we are facing, which is incredible. Right? We don't understand that. We don't. We we can't empathize with with that to the extent of what our brothers and sisters are experiencing in China. So, uh, when you join me tomorrow on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, you know I really want that to be sort of a clarion call of focus that you will be prompted to pray. Uh, maybe you will. You know, I'll give you an an idea. Maybe you will adopt a country. Maybe you'll adopt a people group um, uh, or a particular situation. Maybe there's a theme that runs through the interviews that you'll hear tomorrow and that God will move on your heart uh, to, to pray and that that there, there would be a breakthrough in these many countries. The good news that is that, that in the midst of the persecution, there's, there's a saying where the blood of the, the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. And today we look at what's happening in Iran. Uh, one of the worst violators of religious freedom uh, in Iran. Iran today is one of the fastest countries in the world that we're seeing the growth of Christianity. The same thing we can say uh, is happening in China. So in the midst of suffering, God is still obviously still on the throne and he is using the persecution to grow the church and that is the good news. And we will hear those stories, those testimonies uh, over the next two days.
0: All right, George, thanks for that conversation. There always great perspective from George Thomas. Be sure to check out his interviews from this week at the International Religious Freedom Conference. You can do so on the CBN News YouTube channel and in the link, in the description of this podcast. We'll put a couple of them in there. All right. That's gonna leave us with time on this Friday junior edition of the podcast for one last thing.
1: All right, it's Philippians one twenty-seven. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I thought, man, what a powerful verse to just stay the course no matter what's going on and to remember that we've got to live in line with the way Christ wants us to live.
0: Amen. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good reminder. I mean, I always think, would would I want Jesus to come back right now with me doing whatever it is that I'm doing, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's just a good reminder to always be ready. Absolutely. Good spot to leave it on this Friday Junior episode of the podcast. As always, get on over to CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And Lord willing, that creek don't rise on us. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.